0: You just leave that Science. on, like, your backpack or, like, just off to the side. And because they're bluetooth thing, you just range your target, and then it'll have, like, a three-ish second delay, and then it'll tell you what your elevation hold is for your rifle. So you'll get the distance, and then it'll flip over to, hey, hold, you know, this many mils. And you're like, cool. You just put that on my <laughs> optic and go. <laughs>
1: At that point, is it, I mean, obviously, like it's making it easier are you losing
0: the art behind it in my opinion yes because like that's a conversation that that <laughs> me and joe had about the tremor 3 oh that's a that's a hot topic for some people
2: yeah i, I don't fucking.
3: No. It, is- it all boils back to my childhood fear because my, my dad would be working on something. And any time he was working on electrical wires or anything, he'd call you over and be like, hey, come here. Hi. And then grab you go, ah! <laughs> and then, you know. Yeah, just scary. So the thanks, childhood- dad, for childhood, the childhood flashbacks. Childhood of- uh, trauma
0: the big old learning lessons. Right. Yeah. It was
1: like <laughs> my uh, grandpa used to chase me around with his dentures half hanging out. He didn't have like any teeth. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, was in a car accident and ate the steering wheel when he was like a kid. So he oh, would just God. chase me around the house with his dentures half hanging around like out of his mouth when I was a kid. Terrifying.
0: I saw, I saw that happen to a guy uh, in the army that just face planted an ACOG right between his front teeth. Oh, he was trying to hit a corner too too fast oh, on a short wall, and then the muzzle clip clipped the corner, and oh. rifle stayed put, and his whole body went forward. Oh. <laughs> ACOG oh. went straight through his teeth. ACOG one, one teeth yes.
1: zero.
3: <laughs> there should be a Trigicon commercial off off that.
2: Trijicon just posted about the RMR that Aaron Cowan is like beat to shit on nice. their social today. So it probably looks ACOGs like, and RMRs,
1: man. Hey, ACOGs are <laughs> making a comeback.
3: Uh, Retros?
1: Yeah.
0: That's the retro? I need one. Hey, I mean, I just got out last June, and they're still, they still have those running like crazy for oh. all the guys. Oh, the yeah. uh,
1: range has a Tiger
0: Stripe ACOG. Yeah, yeah those are.
2: Ins- we, you're not allowed to sell those online. <laughs> Dude, they're hot. Yeah. It's, it's ins- sweet. Worldly. I think we got
1: a couple of them.
3: Do you have a couple of them? Those are pretty... I don't have one. No, I mean, I like across the street. I mean, there's yeah. a couple you of them. You should
1: put one on your retro... Um, carry handle well not the carry <laughs> handle the uh carry handle yeah, <laughs> the uh it's the new Unity mount. the m4 cloner that you have oh the the knights one or the, or the knights FN or the fn, FN?
3: yeah with the
2: knights rail that
1: would look hot
3: well if we ever get those carry handle stripped uppers in that would be a good do just like a full tiger stripe build yeah throw it on it that'd be hot that'd, beautiful that'd be high though but i mean high. like it wouldn't be any higher than putting it on it'd a one nine five
0: I think it'd be a little higher. Yeah, yeah I think, think it would. I think they're. If I remember, it, right, I used to have this chart when when I would teach all the snipers all the different height over bores, and I had an example of like every single style from from the carry handle red dots and acogs and stuff like that. And if I remember right, don't quote me on this, but I think uh, it was like around like live, so this it's is, like yeah. two and a quarter inches, <laughs> two,
3: two, like two two six two two six height. Yeah, it something. was it was big. It was, that's crazy, it was like way up there. Uh, okay. So that that gets us right into it. So we are sitting down here this morning and talking to Adrian from Sidewinder Concepts. Yep. Uh, I ran into you a couple weeks ago at BTO Range and Training Facility, and you introduced yourself a little bit there. And we were talking about, you know, the challenges of moving to Texas and finding a range and a little bit about your military background. And I was like, just wait a second. Stop. <laughs> I've got the perfect spot <laughs> for us to talk about this. Have you ever heard of the Big Text Ordinance Podcast? And you're like, no. And so we invite you over a couple yeah, weeks later, we and now you're here. So thank you for taking time out this morning.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. So yeah, thanks, thanks this, for coming on, man. This all definitely helps.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we've got a pretty good audience, pretty active, engaged audience that I think we're going probably – break 45,000 downloads this week. Nice. Cause we've got a couple good podcasts dropped. Uh, we've got this probably won't air, air for a couple more weeks. Uh, but we've, you know, just dropped Steve Fisher this morning, recorded Dan Brokos last week, got some pretty good hitters, <laughs> so to speak on the podcast lately. Uh, and then we've got a ton of dudes that we've, we've interviewed and had a really good time here. Um, talking to us. So for those in our audience that don't know you, or haven't been introduced to you yet go ahead and give me like the you know the 15 minute backstory dude all
0: right so again name's adrian uh grew up just outside of philadelphia pennsylvania um, from there went down to florida for school decided i wanted to join the military uh, went into the army got stationed up at fort lewis did about just shy of 10 years there and spent majority of the time in the recon and sniper community and from there, I just started getting into PRS shooting, and after recently getting out in last June, I uh, decided to start Sidewinder Concepts, which focuses very heavily on scope carbine and the long-range realm, which I felt that there needed to be more of a push on, especially now that that we're starting to see a lot of other people wanting to get into long-range itself. And so now here I am. I live now here in the Houston, Texas area. So Texas is home base. And from there, I still travel around doing courses, but, um, Houston is home. So what you're, so you got go. I no. was going to say, so
2: you, you went East coast, West coast being stationed out there. What made you come to the middle to Texas? Why, why Houston?
0: Uh, the really, the relationship I'm in.
3: Okay. Nice.
0: <laughs>
3: Same. <laughs> Same.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: I
3: was born here.
0: Yeah, you're you're born here. <laughs> I was
1: hoping you were going to teach us about missiles.
0: Missiles, <laughs> a little
1: winder, so I was yeah. hoping it was. A, that was actually my uh, next question. Yeah, I was like, what's uh, where what, does that come from? Yeah, what's the story? So from
0: the you name? guys are actually the first ones to ask me about yes, that. Good job. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> so there was kind of like a little bit of a thought uh, process into it. When you look at army snipers, they're all referenced around snakes. So and in a lot of the call signs always start with an S. <laughs> So I wanted a name that rolled off the tongue easy and then Sidewinder kind of came to fruition. When you look at the characteristics of that particular snake from a speed aspect, they're one of the fastest in the world at roughly 18 miles an hour. That that reference again being, you know, snipers generally being the first ones out. Uh, The second was that when you watch how they hunt they will go to a known area where little critters are and stuff that they they want to eat and they'll bury themselves into the sand so kind of like digging in which is again similar to what we do and then the last one is is that those snakes are generally found in north american deserts which is where i spent most of my time doing training and developing the skill sets and and gaining that experience so it all just kind of came encompassing together rolls off the tongue easy and
1: I didn't know there was a snake called a sidewinder.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah.
1: You should really, look it up. Really. It's pretty interesting. I just knew about missiles <laughs> called sidewinders. So <laughs> awkward. Nice. I dig it. So what's your forte? What what is what do you your what's your number one class that you're teaching?
0: Scope carving is the most popular currently nice. out of the out of the options that I do offer. I I mean I think what it's happening is, is a lot of guys are getting very comfortable with the flat range, hundred and in fifty and in kind of shooting, and they're ready to kind of start stepping it up, but they don't want to spend a lot of money. So the trend that I'm seeing is is that guys are just buying new optics and applying them to the current AR platforms that they have. And thus we got scope carving kind of coming into, coming into the playing field here.
2: And how? What kind of distances do you typically shoot out to for that for that class?
0: I generally will do six hundred and in because I believe that's where each person should master their their carvings out to. That's kind of generally the max effective for your you know fourteen fives and sixteen inch rifles occasionally when i have a range that does go further i'll do that i'll go further with them just to show that there is capability of it and that it is possible Mm -hmm. and then you'll start to see the deviations of these rounds um, as you go further out plus it builds the confidence of the shooter itself but for the most part I, i try to stay 600 and in master those distances and make sure that everybody understands what they're what they're doing to apply it to the rifle and from the rifle to the target
2: gotcha
3: So one of the questions I got for you since our – you probably – you said you – how long were you in for total?
0: Uh, It was just over nine years.
3: Just over nine years. So you joined in 2012 timeframe? 14. 2014. Okay. Yeah, my, my math is bad. So we didn't overlap at all. So I got out in 2013. You came in in 2014. What do you think, like when you, what was on your first issued rifle? I just, I want to kind of <laughs> see where we're at.
0: Uh, so it was an M4 with a CCO red dot. Okay. And I had PVS sevens. Nice. Okay. So those are still <laughs> hanging out.
2: Wow. Sevens all the way in, in
0: 14. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. They're still laying around over there at that at that particular unit. <laughs> oh yeah.
3: Wow, I, I would guarantee it. There's still dudes rocking sevens out there.
0: They actually gave sevens more to the drivers than anything for all the all the strikers and
3: stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Well, because they had their their display in there.
0: That, and I think it was just easier for them to have both eyes kind of working while driving rather than going like half and half. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I, I bet it is a lot easier to drive with seventh than it is a 14. Yeah,
1: uh, A14. I, I, that's what we always
3: used. Was A14? Was A14. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's challenging. Mm-hmm. No depth <laughs> per- perception. Yeah, we figured it out. I didn't crash, so. And so in 2014, you, you went to infantry basic or mm-hmm. o then out to Washington State. Yep. And then from there, what what is your your background? What did your training progress through to get from regular infantry grunt to on the snipers team?
0: Uh, so I like to preface preface this with I was a Y guy in the army, which usually gets a lot of flack. So I had wanted to progress uh, when I was in the on the regular side. One of the other ground pounding battalions before I went over to the recon side and it got to a point where the leadership had wanted to get rid of me because <laughs> I was asking so many questions so instead of kicking me out of the army they forced me to go to recon trials, which I was pissed about at the time uh, ended up making it over there and that was within the first year of me being there and then from there I was on the recon side wanted to get over to the sniper section was not allowed to go to the sniper section and ended up pulling out a pretty significant loan to train myself to to go to the schoolhouse and because i wasn't able to i wasn't able to talk to anybody I wasn't able to get any kind of training material um they were putting me on details to keep me away from everybody so I'm sitting here going with this loan bought every magazine article book anything you can think of with long range involved built a rifle to mimic the the um the m110 at the time Mm -hmm. and was just up in the mountains hiking these targets everywhere (laughs) and i would literally have all these books just laid out on the (laughs) on the ground with different highlighted sections and i would just go through trial and error and figure out which one worked best for me and then just concluded which one i liked and then would more or less just shoot these targets see what worked best and I did that for probably about 4 or 5 months and then finally managed to sneak a packet through the <laughs> through the leadership and then had a had an opportunity to go in 2017 to to sniper school and passed fantastic
2: how how was that experience like how was um i guess what, is, what does what a sniper school entail for those that may not know
1: Hi, I'm Chris from Big Tech's Ordnance, and I'm Ian from Big Tech's Ordnance.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and today we've got the weekly update. So, first off, from Voltor is the classic Myrrh upper receivers, right? So, we've got them in foliage green, black, standard black. Those are my picks. What do you got over there? Um, for rumor. all
1: for all the wheel gun enthusiasts out there, we've started carrying some some Safariland Comp 3 and Comp 2 speed loaders for J frames and K frames. So if you guys need a good speed loader for all of your um, revolver needs, we got some. Uh, we have the new Streamlight Wedge XT. Also, these come in black and FDE. Great little task light. You know, drop your keys underneath the couch. You're Looking for your burrito. A little option from Streamlight comes with a little
3: lanyard on it as well. Solid price point on those. I would I'll yep. have to reference the price point on USB
1: C rechargeable and it has a deep carry uh, pocket, pocket clip, clip on it. Yeah, so option looks
3: great. Coming up, there's a bunch of classes. We've got Paradox training, it'll oh, be across yeah, the at street the, at, the at the range. range. Uh, doing that the 27th, not this weekend, but next weekend. Anyway, lots of training events coming up. We just also posted the Sun's Liberty. Oh yeah, the armor's class. armor's class in May. It's up on the website. Anyway, thanks for watching. Be safe. Finger guns.
0: Um so you go down pretty much day one is is already like nerve wracking because aside from the PT test, you have your first shoot in. And for those that don't know what the first shoot in is, that is a go home criteria on day one. Is you get an unzeroed M4 with iron sights and you have to make five, five shot groups in under four centimeters, which is around two inches at 25 yards. And the reason why they do it with an unzeroed rifle is because it doesn't matter where it is on the target itself. Mm. They want to see that you have the fundamentals down packed and that you're creating consistency. So if you don't have four out of those five targets passing, you go home. And, and so straight out of the gate, just straight out of the gate later. day one. I think in my class alone, we had like seven or eight out of, I think we started with 30 something. Oh, wow. So like almost, seven or eight went home right, right there.
3: Nerves that's will get 30%, you. Dude. Yeah. Nerves will get you.
0: Well, especially when it's a course <laughs> that you want to go to and then yeah. you're like, so then the nerves like kind of kick in even more kind of thing.
2: Do you kind of know that's happening or is it just like, okay, got we're you're all sitting there, get up go we're we're doing this, or do you all like no
0: yeah, you get I mean talking to the other the other guys in the in the section um when you're allowed to talk to them they'll they'll let you know what what to expect, but they'll also send you an email of kind of like hey, this is what the week by week is gonna look like, so that you kind of know what to train for gotcha and and stuff like that, but from there it goes into a couple weeks of just Death by PowerPoint into range time, then stocks, field craft, then going more into advanced shooting, and then so on and so forth for seven weeks.
1: Oh, there we go. We were just talking. uh, It was like two days ago in the warehouse making ghillie suits.
0: (laughs) Well, that'll be fun. Arts and crafts? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Don't know why, but, but why not? Because why not? Yeah, exactly. Calm down.
2: So we might have Josh to is just gonna be out in the national forest, just like pretty it. much. So we'll so there's gonna be we'll some be hiker like,
1: walking by, and he's gonna just stand up. And like, just gonna, Josh is gonna be a bush. I'm one.
3: Don't scare people <laughs> in the national forest, not in Texas. Yeah, That's Josh. A good way to catch a,
1: a walking bush catch, is gonna be just like catch a hot one. Josh and Justin are just gonna be bushes <laughs> walking through the freaking national forest. So will we
3: add that to the like the weekly schedule? So Tuesdays are plate carriers, and then. Thursdays are ghillie It's Thursdays. Mm-hmm. You know, it we, can, like,
2: we can make it happen. Who's that back there packing? There was Is Team Windy Wednesdays
1: for a while. Mm-hmm.
2: All, all the guys wore their Team Windy helmets.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
3: Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, have, we have a good time here, yeah, as you can tell. it yeah, yeah. Um,
0: sounds like it.
3: <laughs> so from sniper school, you went back to Washington. Mm-hmm. And what you do from so, there?
0: So 2017 was a pretty wild, wild ride for me. Uh, so January... 2017 went to went to the schoolhouse came back two weeks later went to airborne came back I think it was like three weeks later I went to the it was like a small arms international competition out in uh, Arkansas called the AFSAM and competed there with a bunch of other countries came back again and then in October I went to the international sniper competition in for 2017 so 2017 was kind of a, yeah, a lot, wild ride. around Got
3: some airline miles there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't count for
3: me. That's, <laughs> that's all, <laughs> Uncle Sam got you some airline <laughs> miles. <laughs> the international sniper competition—they still do that at bidding.
0: Yep, I actually just got back from it last week. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't compete. This this year, I was there with the vendors. But uh, yeah, so they just competed last week. Uh, they do it every April now. It's the same as Infantry Week down there because they just finished uh, Best Ranger as yeah. well.
3: Yeah, I was down there one year for Best Ranger competition. Went and watched some of the stages. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't compete, but I was down there at the same time in school. And so it was like on the weekend, what are we doing? All we're taking a cooler and going watching these dudes rucking down the street. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> yep. like, that was cool. You're like, this is a weird time. marathon, but, but <laughs> yeah. we're here for it. We're here for the violent part of the marathon. Yeah. The, um, it, it was cool. It's a good experience. Bending's always a good time yeah. to spend some spend some time down there. Um, how'd you do in the, the competition when you...
0: The first one, not so hot. I, if I remember right, I think it was like 16th place, 16th, 17th. Um, it's just a lot of learning at that point. I mean, just finishing the schoolhouse, learning the competition side, going into one of the biggest competitions. And there was a lot of crash course learning within, within that particular one. Plus we had the history channel filming that entire event. So it's like, not only are you stressed out about going through all this other stuff, but they put a camera team per, per competing team. Oh, wow. So was, and they, were, they had like those, those big ones. So this was like my first time being in front of a camera kind of thing. So these guys are just like up close and personal on your face the whole time while you're trying to like think about whatever the stressful stages that's happening. So it was, it was, it was an interesting experience to well, say the least.
3: Well, just getting to the competition is hard.
0: Just getting y- yes. approval mm-hmm. to go. Yeah, because you got to compete with everybody in your division mm-hmm. to get selected to then go to that competition.
3: Yeah, I had a couple of buddies that went back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Okay. And that was like LaRue was a really big sponsor of it back then. Oh and yeah. They were LaRue did a video, I think, and I was like watching the video. I was like, Hey, I know that dude. <laughs>
0: you know?
1: What are you shooting for that? Like what uh glass, what rifle?
0: So it's all the issued Okay. All the issued equipment. Well it's supposed to be. Nice. The the other Special teams don't necessarily have to follow those rules, which is really annoying. Yeah, because I mean, but. they
3: they have Canada, England, mm-hmm. like a lot of a lot of countries are represented in the competition. Yeah. Then every branch of the armed forces, and then you, uh, Paul Dugan's going to get mad at me here when I start <laughs> talking shit about it. But then you got the the National Guard teams. <laughs> That he's literally, is a, a good dude. I've met him. You met Paul. Time. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll... Paul's a real good dude.
2: Oh yeah. Paul and Emily are amazing. We love y'all.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah, we do. But they, like, yeah, got... I'm not. They they get a little. <laughs> that's kind of like bragging rights in the in the National Guard realm. So that dude might that might be all they, that guy. They does. just got
0: first. Well, 19th group got first this year. Yeah it's but, like all they do. It's mm-hmm. like what are you doing?
3: We're going to the range today. Why? Cuz we're going to win this trophy. Yep. <laughs> it only means a lot to select few individuals. But it it's cool when they can get, you know, the backing and the funding and the support from their organizations oh, yeah, to do that.
0: It's it's one of those where I wish the regular army got a little bit more time to do the training cuz it was kind of like a hey, this competition's in 2 weeks you're going kind of thing. And it's like, well, I wish I would have known this like three or four months ago. Yeah. Kind of deal. But it is what it is. Yeah.
3: If, if, if not more. And I don't know how it was while you were in, but when I was in for you to get any support whatsoever of, um, any sort of outside training or bringing somebody in, in the regular army side was absolutely unheard of. um, (laughs) You know, mm-hmm. like that, it didn't happen. The only thing I ever saw was uh, when I was actually still in fixing to get out. Uh I was hosting training where I was at in uh at Fort Lynnwood. Okay. And I had Super Dave come in to oh. do a class and it wasn't filling, it wasn't filling, and then all of a sudden it filled because one of the training brigades dudes was on light fighter. Oh, Right, and he was a major, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to send all of my like I'm going to send a drill sergeant from every battalion to this <laughs> class with Super Dave, and that was a whole thing. But that was, you know, th- that was unheard of, right? Uh, in 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 the regular army type of type of setting, and I. It just makes me happy to know that still in 2017, it was a last-minute ditch to, oh, hey, you're going to the sniper competition. Shit. You
0: know, <laughs> All right. and guess we're you know, going.
3: Follow yeah. your DTS.
0: Pretty much. I mean, like, in that short time frame that we had, we definitely were blessed a little bit because, you know, first group and, and second bat were... Um, very helpful with letting us tag along on some of their ranges and sharing some of their ammo and, and things like that. So they were definitely supportive and and helpful with that two weeks that we had. Yeah, (laughs) That's
3: awesome. You mentioned you were there this year with a vendor. Who were you there with?
0: I was there with Griffin armament. Okay, cool. Uh, So they're very supportive of sidewinder and they invited me down with them. And so, I was down there hanging out with them and talking to other vendors and stuff like that, and it was it was a lot of fun.
3: And I see you have a, a loophole. Yep, shirt on. They're right.
0: probably the biggest supporter I got. Nice. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so, who uh, do you deal I, with over there? Uh, uh, Nick Kitlaka. Okay. So he's their media guy. He runs their pro team. Gotcha. Um, he actually does quite a bit, and he he's extremely supportive as well. Loopold has helped me uh, get the get started in all of this stuff uh, quite a bit to be able to help out with other students wanting to run different optics or uh, have multiple spotting spotting tools for, for people to use and stuff like that. So you don't have to feel like you need to buy everything in order to just come and do a class yeah, kind yeah. of thing.
2: Yeah, no, We're big fans of Leupold. Uh, well, they make a lot of good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Love their Mark V line. Like yep. The Mark Fives are... The 3 to 6 to 18 is kind of a... It's a, it's a really good optic. It does a lot of... It can oh, fill yeah. a lot of rolls.
0: So what do you think of the 2 to 10?
1: I just picked one up. It's on my yeah, rifle. Yeah, he's got
0: one. Hell yeah. Yeah.
1: So far, I like it. I shot it out to 600 like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So we're, we'll see how she does uh, next week.
0: I know everybody's like very seesaw with this particular optic.
2: Well, the Force has been making the 2 to 10 for for some time now and I don't feel like it got as much when that came out I don't feel like it got as much um like negative press that the, the Mark not negative press but like there's people are very opinionated on the on the Mark five two to ten it
3: seems like um both ways. If you quit fighting that here we go into the whole optics thing and I'm not very <laughs> educated on this, but what I think I'm not an engineer, but there's the disclaimer. I'm just slept in a holiday in last night. They freaking if you're if you quit trying to fight that that true one battle yeah and you're you're focused so much on that one power and just say okay we're going to start it two i would think that allows you to do a lot more with the internals and everything on that on
0: well, that glass well let me ask you a question do you do you guys have lpvos on your not the two. I know you just said the two. Yeah, ten, I, I have
1: a one to six on on a twelve five. Yeah, I have a kalez or however you
2: say that. So, so you, um, I have a one to six. Kalez? Oh, Collis. Yeah, kalez. Collis, one to so, six on a twelve five. Okay, I've
3: always thought it was Kales.
2: I, I've called it I, every time I say it. I say it differently. Oh, Kales, kalez,
0: kalez. Uh, like I, is it yeah. Spanish I don't know how to, fucking what. <laughs> I'm sure somebody will comment. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. this is the right pronoun. I, I, I don't know. It's like Leopold and Leopold.
3: Yeah, yeah. I've had a razor. One to six. I've yeah, I got, got a, that from you. I've got a EOTech one to ten now. So
0: then the question is, Is are you guys all running red dots?
3: Yes. On the one to
1: six, I'm running a red dot. Yes.
0: Okay. And then at what point are you going to be? Because to me, it's like the one power or being hyper fixated at it makes sense if you're not running a red dot or and some kind of offset.
2: Mine's clean. I don't have a red dot. Yeah. So
0: and then, and then you can, in my opinion, you can argue the one power being a bigger factor for you. But when you, once you immediately put a red dot on there, then it's just like, well, Why are I'd, you rather, using the one? I'd rather step up my optic quality at this yeah. point. Yeah. Because my biggest argument um, that I don't see enough people really talking about when it comes to a 2 to 10 style platform, whether it be the Vortex, the Mark V, or the Night Force that you were saying, is is just having that parallax. And in these classes, what you'll start to see really, really quick, and I'm sure somebody's going to disagree with me on this, mm-hmm. but a lot of these LPVOs have a fixed distance at where the parallax is. Mm-hmm. So once you start going past that, the the image is going to not be as clear as possible, which is once you have that parallax adjustment, now you can make the image extremely clear for those extended distances. The last time I was kinda like Googling around, majority of the optics from like the attacker one to eight the attacker one to eight, the EOTech voodoo one to ten, the Razor one to ten all seem to have a parallax somewhere in that one twenty to one fifty yard range, which is great for some of that three hundred and in CQB stuff, but once you want to kind of really push the limits you're gonna get a little bit more fuzzy fuzzy image and that's where the two to ten style optics really come into play.
1: Yeah. I, I, I like it so far. Like I said, I don't have a ton of time behind it, but mm-hmm. it was my kind of my first P I mean, I have the one to six, but um I built it to take the, the class we have coming up and classes in the
3: future, so nice. Yeah, we've got uh Bruiser Industries yep. next weekend. Yeah, Joe coming down.
0: I was supposed to come and hang out uh, afterwards, but I got another class in Arizona coming up on that same weekend oh nice, so at least you're
2: working yeah you know, at least you're that's,
0: you got has class. that's the goal yeah. <laughs> I mean, classes here though yeah here yeah. In tech. I haven't had one in Texas yet, oh wow, so
3: the uh yeah, I just I was talking to Joe last night we were talking about different stuff he's coming down we've got him coming down for mm-hmm. four days total Friday and thir- Friday and Monday are content creation for us, so we're gonna be doing YouTube videos, and Instagram videos, getting a bunch of that stuff. Yeah. He's a good dude. And yeah. Yeah. It was a great guy. <laughs> Every time I talk to him, I, I have, I always get off track because he's starting to just drop the knowledge. And I'm like, okay, he lost <laughs> me about three sentences ago. But I mean, it's just like knowledge. That's he just opens his mouth and knowledge comes out. Knowledge bombs at the face. Not, oh Yeah. Yeah and uh you're taking that class with us right yeah nice yeah if,
2: if i get my six arc back i'll be taking it with that um if not oh I'll, there you go i got the, the 556 five, nice
1: yeah that's i mean either way you're set gonna, up well i'm gonna text jordan now and be like yeah. hey, hey, you uh, send, send
0: me my
3: that rifle, I need that <laughs> rifle like, send me the prototype yesterday. back
0: <laughs> show me yeah. the, the six arc six arcs is a is a phenomenal round uh, i love that round
2: yeah yeah it's 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 gonna be a lot bigger thing it's going to get a lot more popular there's a couple uh a lot of people are starting to adopt it um or a lot of groups like um Mm -hmm. are starting to adopt it um i think it's going to hit the mainstream a little bit harder than it is now here pretty soon you're you're starting to see like like a lot of manufacturers are now offering barrels in it so like fax is making some you know geisley has got theirs um there's a lot more six arc barrels becoming available. I think the mainstream's going to pick up on it here pretty soon. Yeah, it'll be pretty
0: cool. One of the, uh, one of the guys that had brought uh, the six arc to my class was explaining how the way and they're making specific receivers for them now too, because, the inside on the the left side of the the receiver is getting worn out too fast mm. from the six arg being a higher pressure round in that in that smaller package so there's some companies that are that are doing reinforced upper receivers specifically on the inside right there mm. um so i don't know if that's going to be something that needs to be talked about more I almost if
2: wonder if you could do something like with the MCX, what they're doing, you know, like mm-hmm. you have that removable, like for the cam path, mm-hmm. um, there's that, that's actually like a wear part on the on, right. the, on the spear. So you can like take that out
3: and replace it.
0: <laughs> I I know, maybe that'd, I that'd be that. a cool,
2: that'd be a cool thing. Maybe get
3: on it. Yeah. Do we need yeah. to edit that out of this podcast? <laughs> 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 Don't give away
0: our, our secrets, our secrets. So no, that
2: is interesting. Know that they're actually making like dedicated receivers for it,
0: right? It's just beefed up on that left on the inner left side of the the receivers, specifically for the arc. Yeah, just because of that. I imagine it's the bolt just hitting a little bit harder on that side is what they they were noticing.
2: The other only other bad thing about the arc is the bolt itself, mm-hmm. you know, because you're taking like a regular it's a it's a grendel bolt, you know, I guess, but there's a lot less material. Com- Around that compared to like a five five six bolt. So, um I know sometimes there's been issues with like lugs shearing off and bolt issues, but
3: Well it's I mean fairly new round, fairly new thing that we're shoving in a gas Yeah. Gas gun just to get right and you know like even uh even mags are
2: the mags is another issue. Another
3: issue finding though.
2: Dura mags I've heard are pretty good and Geisleys are supposed to be good if you can find the Geisleys. Right. yeah, we've got we, got of, yeah then, we got two cases. We just got the Dura mags. Yeah, we got two cases of Dura mags back right there <laughs> today. I haven't been able to find a Geisley bag. Yeah. <laughs> I've been tri- the Brenton mags too. I've been using Brenton mags in mine. Those have been pretty good. But those are only like 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 ten rounds or fifteen rounds or something. Yeah. The but Dura d- mags. I need to try those out. They have a little bit of a curve to them. So yeah. what are they like twenties? Yeah. Yeah. I think they're twenties. Yeah. yeah.
3: Which allows you to get lower. Doesn't impede a tripod as much. Yeah. You know, all that good stuff. But get, getting back to what you were, what you were talking about earlier, uh, and we've talked about it before, I, I do really think it is the dudes that, you know, we've got comfortable on a, on a flat range, on a regular doing. You know, we've done car CQB. We've done room clearing. We've done everything that you can possibly do at, at 50 and 25 yards in. With a rifle, and now you're like, all right, cool. So,
0: how do I hit that way over there? How do, yeah,
3: <laughs> how do I shoot that a long distance? Well, let me with... let me
0: ask you a question. What do you what do you guys consider? Because it's kind of an open question. What do you guys consider being CQB distances?
2: That so that's a that's a good,
0: because this will this will. Answer a lot of why guys are getting into magnified optics. So as we're well. talking about like a, some a like some people,
2: some people define CQB as like you know inside a structure, um,
3: you know, like your house or something. But I don't know.
0: I don't. I don't really know how. how <laughs> I'd, I would say, it.
3: I'd say I'd say one hundred meters in.
0: Okay. What do you say? Yeah,
1: I, w- I would say that because like you could be there's CQB like in your house where it's you know my bedroom door to my hallway is like ten yards, but then CQB could be you know, at HEB and like down an aisle is what, 50, 75 yards, depending on how big the store is. Yeah. So, I mean, fuck, you could be at the mall and right. that could be CQB and that's, I mean, a couple, few hundred yards. So I think that <laughs> th- 300 and then, I don't know. That, that's, I don't think there's a right answer to that or is there a right answer? I don't know.
0: Well, I don't know there would be an opinion answer, yeah. but, and then what What would you say? I don't
1: know of-
2: I would say probably like 100 and in.
0: Okay. So I say 300 and in. That's that. Again, this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. The reason I say that is because generally I would say CQB would be in a distance that's too close for comfort. And the reason why I say 300 and in is because if you look at the average zeros being 25, you know, 36, and a 50, well, the 25 for 300. If it's a matter of you can take a very. Um, ill-trained individual, and they have to just rest a dot at the target, and they have a high probability of hitting out to roughly three hundred because it's just a point-and-shoot system. Yeah, it's too close for comfort, and that's why that's why I say uh, three hundred and in. Now, when we take that aspect of three hundred and in, and we start to look at it from like an urban environment, if you miss your first shot at whatever those distances are. It's just human nature to, to, to move and get cover somewhere. Mm-hmm. So now you just take a full-size target and it immediately turns into something small, right? When you look at peeking around corners or around cars or whatever to make sure that it's some safe or, or what's going on and all that other stuff, this is where the magnified optics really come into play. And it doesn't have to always just be from a distance perspective. It can be from just a PID or... Uh, being able to actually see the target that's yeah. that's you know peeking around corners or doing whatever mischievous thing it's doing and stuff like that, and then allowing you to understand whether or not you even need to use the firearm kind of thing at that point. So even if for law enforcement, for example, everybody takes cover and the minute it turns into a two- way two way range mm-hmm. kind of thing. So being able to identify exactly where where the bad guy is type of thing allows you that's where that magnification really comes into play so that they can actually see that stuff. Yeah. Especially at some of those like outside the extended ish distances kind of thing.
3: Never even really kind of thought about that too in detail. I wonder if there's like a textbook definition of what CQB distance is.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's your rifle in the army. It's th- they're the max like for the qual is 300, which right. you're either doing with irons or a red dot. And I know when I had an ACOG on my rifle, I think we shot out to four.
0: Well, it should, I mean, well, yeah, unless you went to a special range, but yeah. it should have still been 300 and in, but it felt like it was cheating at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Because you could see so much better for sure. Yeah. And compared it was, to like irons. <clears throat> right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, but it was all the same stuff. Like, even, even in the in, in the Army, the guys that were like, well, we just need all these guys to score experts. like, cool. Well, instead of zeroing the ACOG the right way, I just zeroed it for 25 on the tip of the chevron. I'm like, hey, treat this like a magnified red dot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just go shoot the course real quick with my rifle, and then I'll fix it later kind of thing. And then these guys would all, you know, get expert and stuff because they could see everything. And yeah. it was just a matter of hold it center on the target because it kind of worked on all the all the way out there with the 25 meter zero.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it was <laughs> I, I, like, I think the furthest I shot in the army was probably about 400 yards with an ACOG. Cause we were, mm-hmm. we were getting ready to, to deploy. So we were at a, at a different range, but I mean, it's, that's such a, you don't think about that cause you're, cause you're outside. You don't think about right. that as being CQB, but then you're like, Oh, you apply this to so, like somewhere where you're shopping or you're living life, whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's yeah, that could be CQB. So, I
3: don't yeah, know. and then you start looking at like what what other military CQB versus civilian type and like close range in the military. We don't want something to get within that <laughs> g- yeah. the same grid square as yeah. us, you know. Like we're, well, and that's what you, I'm saying you know, is it right.
0: becomes too close, too close for comfort kind of thing yeah. where you really have to start playing the overmatch game. Yeah. Rather than it's just the knowledge, knowledge point, yeah. like,
3: like, you know, hitting a moving target at night on a Bradley at 3000 meters is just like, <laughs> doo, 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 doo. <laughs> all right, got, got him, <laughs> you know, like that is like, you know, ridiculously. So is that considered a CQB different.
1: with a Bradley 3000? No, that's okay.
3: almost max, <laughs> that's almost max, uh, effective range for HE cause it, it blows up at like 34. I'm so, really, that'd be sweet. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, but I mean, like when you get into it, you know, like the distances is, is it's all kind of on your, I guess, more weapon system, right? Determine, right. determine on that because, like, well, and long the, range for a pistol is for most people is anything over ten yards,
0: <laughs> right? And I <laughs> mean, you know? it goes into one of the one of the things I talk about is like always oh, training to your max effective because it makes you a, a more confident shooter, yeah, because through through the knowledge of marksmanship, you can create distance between you and you and that target through distance. You create time and through time you create uh, a level of decision-making. And so whatever the platform may be, if you understand what from a, from, from like a ballistic calculator standpoint, what the max effective is of, of whatever your setup is, whether it be from an energy of velocity or a mechanical uh, max effective, you'll, you'll kind of know what the capabilities of the equipment are. And then you just need to make sure that your capabilities match the equipment itself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Kind of thing.
3: Um, back when I was doing a little bit more instruction, um, it was always interesting to take a student out and put them at like a distance that they'd never shot at before, with a weapon system, whether it be like, all right, you're taking this pistol and we have the ability to shoot still at 50 or 100. We're going to do it. Oh, well, it's not that difficult if you've got your fundamentals down and you know where to hold. Yeah. Okay, we can shoot still at 100. And that gives you so much more confidence with a pistol at 25 is not, at that, 20, 25's not yeah. that bad. It changes the perception of
0: everything, oh, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like even in the long-range classes, I, I like to take guys right out of the classroom and just – We'll confirm zero, and we'll skip everything. Go straight to a thousand yards, because not only does it tell you that your equipment is working, um, from the calculators to the tracking of the scope and everything, but it's like, well, we already hit the furthest target on this range. Everything else, could everything be is just like, yeah. I thought we were going to do that at the end of like day two, kind of thing. But we already did it, so now it's well, I can you get on. all the nerves out, yeah. and the confidence, <laughs> and all that other stuff. And I've and we've had some guys that are like that. They're like. Well, I just wanted to hit a thousand, so I'm. I mean, I want to go home. I'm like, <laughs> the fuck you are. <laughs> no, you got to show me you can Uh-oh. do it with all of the stuff and and rebuild the rifle and the calculator, because you got to be able to be able to do that and not just forget about it the next day because you had such a great time Then everything just brain dumped overnight kind of thing.
1: So, what are what what is your setup for for long range in your classes that you're teaching?
0: Uh, For long range, I'm currently running 6 Creed on, like, a shorter 6 Creed, so 20-inch 6 Creed suppressed. Uh, I run blueprinted Howas at the moment, just because, why not? They work just as good as any other big action. Um, Currently running a JTAC Industries chassis, which kind of looks like the old M14 EBRs. With the telescopic um, stocks on it, and then I have another one that's in a uh, Masterpiece Arms chassis. Nice. So one's in two two three, the other one's in uh, Six Creed. What glass? Loophole. Okay. Mark fives. Nice. One the two two three is a carbon fiber barrel. That one's um, with the three to eighteen, and then the the Six Creed has got the five to twenty five. Both all the, with uh, all the zoom. Yep. Well, it's not the seven to thirty five. <laughs> <laughs> That's,
3: That's a, a lot of glass. Uh,
0: it's so much glass.
3: And you're sh- you're shooting comfortably out to what distance with that setup? Which one? With the with the six five creed. The six,
0: the six, six, creed. six creed. Okay. Uh, usually I I go out to about 1300 and, 1,300 and in. That's what I like to play around with. Can I go further? Yeah, but. For me, once you start going past a 1,000, it kind of requires to have a spotting team. 1,000 mm-hmm. and in tends to be about the limit at which you can spot your own rounds. Um, so you become your own like solo shooter and doesn't need a spotter that's just as good at shooting as they are at spotting all the time and stuff like that. So I I tend to stay within that 1,000 and in range, but... Like I have no issues going, going further. I need a dedicated spotting course. Mm-hmm.
1: That's, I just need to learn how to shoot my fucking rifle to, well, you know, 700 well, just, yards consistently. Just
3: sitting up to where you can pick up trace is a art form in itself, right?
0: More or less. A lot of it will be kind of like light conditions and whatever other atmospherics are going on as to whether or not the trace will pop that much more. So like up in up in Washington, shooting in the mountains, <clears throat> we had to get really, really good at trace because it's not um, desert or farmlands where you'll see a lot of the kickup um, from where the round hits, which is what a lot of people pay attention to and just make a correction off of that. Up in the mountains with the woods and having the targets like set up by the bushes and stuff like that, you weren't going to see splash, so you had to be able to identify the round in flight, all the way to the target and almost like predict the, oh, the trajectory yeah mm-hmm. wow mixed with the trace so that you could actually figure out if you were high low left right or on target or where on target and stuff like that yeah but mm-hmm. the bigger the round the 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 easier the trace was to see so once you started shooting all the little six mils and and 22 cal stuff <laughs> it started getting really difficult yeah We'd have to shoot like a dirt patch just to make sure that we're like on. Yeah. <laughs> and then go back to the target and try to <laughs> try to get it on target.
3: It's always fun chasing it. And it's always cool whenever you get the conditions are are right to where you can you can just see it go out there and hit the target.
1: Yeah, when Josh were Josh and I were at the L M T thing. Uh, a couple weeks ago you know we were were the one day we were on the long range and you know being able to like oh john you know a little to the left because you could really see the you know it was perfect conditions perfect Mm -hmm. light, and you're like oh yeah that's that's easy to not easy i mean (laughs) but it's like you it's you could call it be like oh yeah you were left right whatever way and it was you know definitely makes it makes it easier but even finding like a thousand yard range to shoot is tricky, let alone pass a thousand.
3: Yeah, you've, you've talked. I me and you've talked about that. How how much how difficult is it currently for you to find a range to where you can actually stretch legs out?
0: Um. So in South Texas here, there's ranges. It's just difficult for me to get to the point where I can actually teach on these ranges and getting a hold of some of these uh, locations. Uh, that's why I haven't had a course here yet. <clears throat> here in Texas, is just because I haven't been able to get like connected connected in so linking in with the gun shops linking in with um companies like like your own and uh hopefully that leads to something <laughs> in the in the local area uh but the further west i go the easier it becomes because there's just more free land out there that you can you can work with kind of thing. You can just set up your targets wherever you want. All right. Well, Those well, class is classes. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I don't do that that much anymore now that it's more like an official business, but getting started, that's, that's how I started. Yeah. It was just like, Hey, you, you want to learn how to do this stuff? Then cool. Let's meet here. <laughs> Here's and, a grid point. <laughs> meet here. Pretty, <laughs> so. More or less. Just drop the pin. <laughs> what's the set up a range?
3: What's your typical class demographic look like? Who's coming to see you? right now
0: it's all the carbine guys that are dipping into the long range so that that's kind of the demographic that i that i catered towards uh originally i was going for more of the competition dudes Mm. but i decided to just stay out of that realm and right now it's all the again the carbine guys that are looking to to get into long range or the scope carbine realm, depending on on what they're willing to pay or as far as equipment goes for themselves, or if they are going into purchasing a full complete rifle, like to get into actual long range distances.
3: So if I was starting out with a carbine and I didn't have glass yet Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get into the more longer range carbine stuff, so say 300 and out, what would you recommend that I go out and get?
0: So I don't necessarily just telling people like a number because everybody has a different budget. What I do is I show you guys kind of like, Hey, these are different options in different realms. And that way it doesn't make it intimidating or, or insulting or whatever, where it feels like, Oh man, I need to spend a whole paycheck on, you know, getting this particular, particular optic for guys that are really just, playing the experimental game and you just want to get something kind of quick I, I, I tend to just to say hey get one of these primary arms scopes because they're a little bit cheaper it teaches you what you, you want and stuff like that or come to a class and I got a ton of optics that you can just <laughs> play with like throw it on your rifle and figure out what you do or don't like um, you can see what other students are running and stuff like that mid-range stuff probably going closer towards the EOTech uh, Voodoo 1 to 10 and then going up there the the Razor 1 to uh 1 to 10 and then the the Attacker 1 to 8 so you got the in the middle the middle grounds you got the higher end primary arms the Voodoos um and then the NX8s are kind of like the realm that that I'd suggest and that'll be great for that six hundred and in. What
3: about supplementary equipment like tripods or, you know, binos or rangefinder anything? Anything there that you would be like, it would benefit a shooter to get it quicker than get it later. Late, later, does that make uh, sense? Did I make? Did that yeah, say? no, that makes sense. Yeah. So
0: I would say a handheld rangefinder would would definitely be beneficial. Um, the biggest things to look for when you're when you're doing a rangefinder would be uh, usually there's three different uh, max capabilities that are listed on the specs. The only one I give a shit about is what is the max capability on like deer fur or non reflective targets mm-hmm. because that's the one that it's going to generally do the most, and then anything after that is is always easier. So, for example, if I'm the, the Leopold 2800, I believe, does deer out to 1400. So anything after that is just super easy. Um, the Leopold 2800, the SIGs, the, the new line of vortexes are all generally good. They're in that. Four to six hundred dollar range. So they got some cool stuff on their
2: on their handheld optics. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're really with,
0: especially there. when they can they can talk with like Kestrels yeah. and do there's, the applied ballistics and stuff like that,
2: that. Those new ones we got in um, that'll talk directly to your your Kestrel mm-hmm. and you, you can Bluetooth it up. With those elites too. Yeah, that the ones got. that are like fifteen hundred. Yeah, or however much they yeah so, like so essentially
0: what it does, like for anybody listening, it, it when you have the catchable ballistic calculator with all the atmospherics going on and it Bluetooths to the rangefinder, you just leave <laughs> that on like your backpack or like just off to the side, and because they're bluetooth thing, you just range your target, and then it'll have like a three-ish second delay, and then it'll tell you what your elevation hold is for your rifle. So you'll get the distance, and then it'll flip over to, hey, hold, you know, this many mills, and you're like, cool. I just put that on my <laughs> optic and
1: go <laughs> at that point. Is it, I mean, obviously like it's making it easier, but are you losing the art
0: behind it? In my opinion? Yes. Cause like, that's a conversation that, that <laughs> me and Joe had about the tremor three. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a hot topic for some people. Like I don't care for the tremor three at all because I think it makes you a weaker marksman. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
1: Because, I mean, if you can just, like, bink, oh, this many yards, the wind's this, it knows your ammo. I mean, not, like, I oh. have no fucking clue what I'm doing, and that's why I can't <laughs> wait for yeah. class next week, because right. my, my so, knowledge that's is where, 300 yards and in.
0: Right, and that's where getting guys to that. Precise level faster is yeah. where a lot of this technology really comes into play. Yeah,
3: instead of having to do the math, right, yeah, having to figure all that out,
1: I'm going to be like lost in the yeah. sauce. Come next weekend, like,
0: and and that's the only that's the only downside to all that tech is that it does require that you understand how to how to operate it all or how to put in all the inputs because once the inputs are in there then the two talk to each other and then it's just easy at that point but yeah, your data for the track calculator
1: has to be good mm-hmm. you know if, if you're yeah otherwise
0: <laughs> yep <laughs> database data is and-
1: going to be all not talking to the mainframe and the, that's yeah, going to be just
3: turn it off and turn on back turn it back on again <laughs> have you rebooted it let me t- let me introduce <laughs> you to it first thing you do know, have you turned it off yet yeah, yeah. We've, we've actually got some kestrels that um that joe recommended us to get mm-hmm. We 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 got some of that stuff uh we've we'll go ahead and do the promo here on bto gear you're going to see a lot more stuff like the sig optics or the sig range finders and the magnifiers and as we build that because that's something else that we've been working on and be like all right let's kind of build this up because it's hot it is hot right now and and we're kind of getting into it and so you'll see a lot more of that on on bTO gear oh yeah as we continue to grow that, you guys well.
0: offering bags like shooting bags yet? We've had
3: mats and we've got the
0: we've got the the
2: badger, their little uh, the bone, yeah, the bone, yeah, their little bag.
3: We've got we Alex to, Hartman's, his little um, oh yeah, the, the, sling the sling with the little dog, what is it calling a dog leg or something yeah. on the back? Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty. I was cool. gonna
0: say, because that's probably one of the next things to look into, or so it'd be bags, the kestrels, range finders, and then a rifle. That'll pretty much set you up for anything that well, we you we have the rifles. Yeah, we've got the rifles. We have the
1: optics. We have we we do have uh, bipods here and there. Mm-hmm. We have
3: the Badger and the Magpul. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, you know, we got a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's a big switch though, and we've talked about it for years about you know delving into the long range side of the house. Uh, well, at least mid range. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot easier. Yeah, yeah,
1: we're not going chassis.
3: And yeah, like, we're not going. Right. <laughs> we're not doing that.
1: What bags do you recommend?
0: Uh pretty much there's only two. I was looking at That's the uh,
1: the Armageddon.
0: Yep. Gear. Armageddon uh game changer, the mm-hmm. mini game changer or the WeeBad uh fortune cookie. Mini fortune cookie. Okay. They're pretty much the same damn thing. Um just two companies. And either in my opinion you, you you get one or the other. It's either the Git Light, which is their lightest version, or you get the heavy Sandfill. And th- the heavy Sandfill is going to be the most accurate, but you don't want to carry it all the time. The Git Light is going to be super lightweight. That I usually just clip it onto a belt loop and forget about it pretty quick. But it has has a uh, good structure to it. A lot of the bags, which a lot of people don't necessarily talk about. It's not the bag that's the issue, it's the material on the inside. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of these, the cheaper cheaper bags that are out there that you can get on like Amazon and eBay and stuff, the fill is kind of like just rounded beads. And you don't necessarily want that because they actually start rolling on top yeah. of each other. So, the minute you set the rifle on there, you start getting this like kind of like shaking thing and it's not saddling into the bag the way it should when you're on a barricade. And you're just not getting the the max level of structure and accuracy that that you should be getting with the right bag. So when you look at some of the like the Armageddon or the Weebad, and you're looking at roughly a hundred dollars, the the thing I tell the guys all the time is like, if I said you can give me a hundred dollar bill or roughly a hundred dollars plus tax and all that other stuff, and I can give you a significant level of accuracy, would you care what I gave you? And they say no all the time, and I'm like cool because you would get a box with just this bag in there. I think it's one of the biggest bang for buck pieces of accuracy that you can gain is a solid bag, yeah, and the right bag to use. I've uh,
1: been—I forgot to—I was going to get one of the armagands like a week ago for class next week, and I think I'm probably too late for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that I'm sure somebody will have extra ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it makes a big difference. <laughs> like I, know, I had, uh, I I know had,
1: other Chris has got an Armageddon bag in, like, over the weekend, so.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, kind of like a funny story. The the last scope carbine class I did in Arizona, I had a guy that did a bunch of field craft courses. And he's just like, well, Mike Glover made this bag for me. like, And it was a sock with sand and some other stuff in there. I'm like, okay. Let's, I mean, that's fine if that's what you want to use. I was just like, I just encourage you to try this one. Right, and then you come up with your own conclusions. And then once he tried, uh, the one I gave him was the uh, Armageddon, the Armageddon Gear Getlight uh, Mini Game Changer, and then he didn't want to use the other one anymore from there on out. <laughs> and I was just like, well, I mean, what happened to your, <laughs> what happened to your special bag? What happened there? to your sock? He's just like, well, this one works a lot better. And I'm like, as long as you're the one saying it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so where where can people find you,
0: man? Uh, sidewinder com, and then on Instagram, I'm pretty active on there as well. So sidewinder underscore concepts. Nice. And that's where I'm at. Nice. Well, dude, thank you. Thank you so
2: much for coming on and sitting down with us and, uh, letting us pick your brain for, for yeah, I appreciate it.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And you're local dude. So just give us a shout. You got our numbers, you got our, our Mm -hmm. contact come up, see us whenever. And, uh, we'll, we'll get you out to the
0: ranch. Yeah, hopefully we link up a, a lot more. Yeah, yeah for sure. The ranch is my home range anyways, so yeah. I mean, I'm a member there and everything too. It's just can't seem to get courses on there. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, it's a
1: We'll do an in-house BTO course. Yeah.
3: We've, we've cuz we're
1: all everyone's building long range guns. Yeah, we're all kind of getting into that. Not <laughs> yeah.
2: long range intermediate. Yeah,
1: like.
0: intermediate, yeah. My bad. Yeah. Two, <laughs> we're not doing the 2-mile my... stuff. Sorry guys, the 2-mile well, stuff. Well, that's that... that's kind of like, you know how I said what do you what do you think uh, CQB distances are? well. So what do you think mid-range is?
1: I don't know. Anywhere where my eyeballs can see. Intermediate for me is like 300 to 1,000. Like yeah.
2: yeah, I, w- I would three probably to, agree I with I was that. That's like, like my was carbine capability. 3 to 12. 3 to 12
3: is a pretty good stand. Is the <laughs> medium. Because now you get into like the extreme long range where they're doing like nasa engineers are like doing two and a half mile shots what is
1: it the uh, the curve of the earth when you have to like predict that into your shot what's that called the god uh, the
3: cordialis
1: yeah effect where it's like yes the earth is turned slightly three degrees to the east yeah.
0: well that's also referring to the the rotation of the earth yeah because depending science. on your
3: science. time of flight all right bob lee swagger <laughs> anyway on that note appreciate it dude you want to roll us out
2: yeah thank you all for watching um Be sure and check us out. Um, Check out Sidewinder Concepts and all that. Like, share, subscribe. um, Tell your friends. We really appreciate the support. Appreciate y'all hanging around and listening to this. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see y'all next time.